Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hello, everybody. This is Paul Gilbert, a solo artist. And also, I play guitar with Racer X and Mr. Big. And you are listening to Talking Metal. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and you are listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. So glad you could join me here, and long-time uh, long hero of mine on today's show, who, believe it or not, we're, we're almost at 600 episodes here, and we have never had this guy on. At least, I don't think we have, and it's always possible, maybe back in the early days, John interviewed him, but I don't, I'm fairly certain, no, I'm fairly certain this is a premiere, a Talking Metal premiere of one of the greatest guitar players out there, Paul Gilbert. Wow. Racer X, Mr. Big, all his great solo stuff. This guy is, has done so much. And you know what? I remember I remember learning some of these, and I still play some of his, his licks, but I remember learning um, some of his stuff from his guitar instructional video. And I know he's had many of them, but this is probably one of the first ones he ever released used to have it on on vhs back in the day and used used to do this real cool thing with the blues scale where you broke it up over two strings and and 
did like a three octave version of it. Uh, love, love, love this guy. Love his guitar playing. And he's got a real cool thing happening this summer. The Great Guitar Escape 3.0 Camp. And if you're a guitar player, you should definitely think about attending this. It's in a just beautiful part of California. And, uh, I mean, Google it. Actually, I'll link this stuff through today's show notes. you got to see the, the setting for this thing. Uh, just, just gorgeous scenery. And you get to hang out with Paul Gilbert all day. You get to play with him, play guitar with him. You get to uh, eat bacon with him. He's going to tell us all about that during the interview. So stay tuned for that. And he's got a new record out, too, which he's going to talk to us about. So, again, in just a little bit, uh, a brand new interview with the one and only Paul Gilbert. Right now, let's go way back in time. I think this is like 86, 87. Racer X off that second record, which I love so much. I'm going to talk to Paul about this record. This is called Hammer Away. What a great song. Check it out here on Talking Metal.
some vintage Paul Gilbert and Racer X. Paul Gilbert and Bruce Bouillet, the guitar duo on that song. Hammer Away, classic Racer X here on Talking Metal. Well, without further ado, let's get into my interview with Paul Gilbert. We're going to hear first a little Mr. Big take cover. This is going back uh, to the 90s, mid-90s, take cover from Mr. Big, followed by my interview with Paul Gilbert.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have the one and only Paul Gilbert checking in for the first time on Talking Metal. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good, thank you. I got a good night's sleep. Excellent. Always a always a good thing. Um, I want to I want to talk to you about this new record. The first single, which I believe is the title track, "I Can Destroy," is currently on iTunes. I downloaded it. Sounds great. Also had the opportunity to hear some of the other songs. And uh, let's let's talk about the new record. First off, I already know the answer to this, but but uh, just so you can explain it to the the listeners. Is this an instrumental record? Is it a record with uh, vocals? What can we expect? I'm singing again. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And I, I knew that I, that, that I would be better off if I get some help, though. So I uh, put together a band with uh, uh, two guys that play guitar really well and also sing really well. So I've got uh, uh, if I if I've got a high bridge where I can't hit the notes, I've got Tony Spinner to uh, help me. And uh, Freddie Nelson, who I actually did a record with before, is also right. playing guitar and singing. And uh, so when we do the opening track, everybody use your goddamn turn signal. When we when we hit the, the word goddamn, we can we can embellish it with beautiful gospel harmonies. Excellent, excellent. Now, I, I, you know the the thing that struck me about the record is is these. You know, there's great guitar playing, of course, which we always get from you. But to me, this is more of a record that's about songs and about songwriting. And as somebody who's known as such a, a great guitar player, uh, how, how do you do? You sit down and and practice writing songs do you sit down when you pick up a guitar do you have okay i'm going to practice these riffs i'm going to practice these scales or do you sit down and pick up a guitar sometimes and just say i'm going to write songs like how, how does the whole songwriting process differ from say just straight up practicing it's really different uh and i guess if, as a songwriter i just feel that i have to become fluent with a with a vocabulary of of chords and rhythms and and of course lyrics are part of it, and for this album lyrics were a big part of it. Um, not so much because I had any big message I wanted to send, but because it's just a way to create a framework to build around. And you you know with a song you've got to start somewhere, whether it's right. a guitar riff or a or a vocal chorus or whatever it is, and. Uh, for me, it's it's one of the easiest ways to, to write, and to me, if anything in a in a process goes easily, it almost always turns out better. So I, I'm always looking for the easy way, and uh, I just wrote a bunch of lyrics, and then tried to figure out the music that would go around it. And sometimes I'd have completely different ideas. You know, the song uh, "One Woman Too Many" that could have easily been a slow blues, right? But instead, it turned into sort of this fast, you know, I don't know, Gary Moore. Uh, <laughs> Gary Moore goes Latin kind of thing with a with a with a Makita drill involved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it, but it was very lyric based, and and that that helps me out because uh, I'm a much better musician than I am a singer. So, if I can if I can get you know some little thing that I can sing, then I can I'm much more flexible with what I can play to help support that. Right, and you know you mentioned this song uh, "One Woman Too Many," which uh, to me it had this different flavor than a lot of the rest of the record. I mean, the record in general is, is very diverse. Is on that song specifically, um, like what kind of chords are those? Are those like minor seventh chords? What 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 kind of chords give that Latin kind of feel to it? Well, there's you know, there's some minor sevens, and then the 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 hook at, at the end, the bam 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 bam. 
is uh, at the two chords I learned at school. I wouldn't okay. have known them without going to school. One's a minor nine, and the other's a minor eleven in a right. different key. But the the melody it creates is this little jazz trick that I learned from listening to my wife practice jazz piano, okay. which is that uh, you know this might come from Bill El- Bill Evans, the jazz piano player, where he would avoid hitting the root. And instead, he'd play above it by playing the ninth and, and play below it by playing the seventh. And, you know, the root would still be there in, in the bass or the accompaniment. Sure. But the melody that I'm doing there, the bam, 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 I'm playing the ninth, ninth, seventh, seventh, ninth, and I'm not hitting that root. That's, it's just sort of, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm, no real, I'm not a real jazz player, but I, in a way, I'm communicating one of the, uh, you know, one of the basic jazz tricks. Yeah, and by by creating that melody and building chords around it, and uh, I'm able to explain that now. But when I wrote it, it was just it just sort of came to me. I wasn't I wasn't nearly that intellectual when I, in the in the writing process. Another song I wanted to ask you about is "Love We Had," which has such just to me, uh, it sounds incredibly incredibly simple, and and again, kind of back to you being such a monster musician. I, I feel like there's some there's some heavy musicians that have trouble playing something that's or even coming up with something that's so simple and and is the simplicity ever hard for you oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'll never forget in in the studio with mr big right i was fresh out of racer x and we would do a song like addicted to that rush and and we'd nail it in one take and then uh i don't remember which song it was but it was some song that where i had to strum a g chord for a long time on an acoustic guitar and the, the producer must have had me in there for six hours. Wow. Just yeah. trying to get a, a good groove out of the G chord. And, and I, I, I thought he was insane. I was going like, well, I don't know what you're hearing. To me, it sounds good. He's going like, no, it's rushing a little bit. No, it's, it's, it's behind. It's a little lazy. No, it's a little out of tune. And, and now, actually, my ear, my ears have been trained to hear that kind of stuff. You know, right. from sitting in the producer seat myself. But uh, at, at the time... You know, actually, the, the the faster you play things, the less you're able to hear the details. So when you slow things down, it actually puts the microscope on. on you're, you become a lot more naked as a musician, and uh, so that stuff to me sometimes is really can, can be really challenging. But again, fortunately, I had a great band to back me up, so I, I can I can you know sit back in the mix a little bit. Right. On. The, um, the the one tricky thing with that tune though is actually the tempo changes. Okay. Um, because the the uh, the chorus and the verse are completely different tempos and grooves, and uh, so that's the sort of thing where if you tried to do it to a click track, it would just be a complete. I mean, you'd have to like program some really complicated click track, and I'm I'm really glad that we didn't have one. Yeah. And that we were just able to play it live and and have you know just listen to each other and and. and play it like musicians should play it right on right on it's a great song i like it a lot another song i want to ask you about is i'm not the one who wants to be with you which obviously is a reference to a big song of, of your past and uh, is is there anything is, is it just kind of a casual reference or is there something a little deeper in this song <laughs> i just have to keep myself from smiling and laughing when i hear that time. yeah <laughs> it is, yeah. the, the, the original song to be with you of course was a a, 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 a tremendous force of good in my life right you know, that was the you know the the number one hit that I played on and uh, and I love the song I was actually the one that that's even though I didn't write it I was the one that su- suggested that we do it because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge Beatles fan it's kind of a Beatley kind of a song right and when we play it it's it sounds great and, it's, and I 
you know, I'm, I'm even though I'm known as a guitar player, I'm really a frustrated singer. So whenever I get to sing, whether it's right. harmonies or lead, it's it's fun. So that's that's my speech about liking the song. Right. And now, on on the other hand, um, it's it's so ubiquitous in my life that it's it's fun to poke fun at it as well. Yeah. And so to write an anti song about it was very satisfying. Gotcha. And uh, and I can't help but think of like other anti songs. You know, I am not the walrus. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, Strawberry Fields temporarily. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, you know, it's just sort of a songwriting experiment to see if you can, you know, take a song and flip it over, you know, flip it going the other way. Right on. Right on. Well, there's a lot of great songs on the record. Uh, I really enjoyed what I heard so far. I can't wait to hear the whole thing. And late May is when it comes out. I Can Destroy by Paul Gilbert. Guys, we'll have links up in today's show notes where you can go to iTunes and pre-order it. So definitely check out Paul's new one, I Can Destroy. Um, Paul, and also you have uh, something that sounds really cool to me as a as a struggling guitar player. Great guitar escape. It's uh, I guess this is the third time you're doing it, and I wanted to ask you just some basic questions about it. Is there a certain age group that that you need to be in to go to this camp? Well, I mean, I've I've got a one and a half year old boy now, and he's probably too young. A little young, yeah. What about like a guy like me, forty six years old? Oh, you're fine. Okay, all right, all right. You can you you can pull up your own socks, right? Uh, yes. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, in the past, I've had probably the, the youngest people there have been, you know, young teenagers. Sure. And then the oldest, I had a guy that was like, it's probably probably sixty five. Wow, cool. And then and then most people are. Probably you know mid twenties to early forties is probably okay. the, the the more common range, but um, age is, is not something I really think about as, as much as um, <laughs> musical courage. Right. Well, what about skill level? Do you have to be of a certain skill level to go to the camp? Nah. I mean, it, it just depends on how much you want to participate. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I think regardless of skill level, you're going to come out inspired, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the best things about it. But uh, I try to make it where, where you can really get in deep as far as participating. I, I make it a point, you know, to make myself available to jam to everybody. You know, we we, we do these massive jam sessions where I try to get everybody up, you know, playing with me. Sure. And uh, you know, which is it takes some coordination because if you if you try to do a jam with eighty people, right, right. <laughs> You work, but I do. I get a guitar tech to you know to help everybody get plugged in, and and we we do it really efficiently to get everybody everybody up there, and uh, and just have a blast. And it's a uh, you know I, I'm I'm well aware that it's it's a can be a nerve shattering experience. So I, I try to make it you know give everybody a second chance so they can you know if they were nervous the first time the second time that they can they can get get themselves together a little bit and I you know do, do some seminars to prepare them for it let them know what's going to happen. And uh, just you know, make it the make it more of a conversation rather than a, a competition. Cool. I'm you know I'm not there to to try to show anybody look look how fast they can play. You know, I just want to have a good time and communicate with music. Right. Well, I want to talk about some of the guests that you'll have there, but but first the location. You know, I was looking at the pictures. It just looks absolutely gorgeous. Can you tell us about where this is uh, where this is held and where it takes place? It's in Cambria, California, which is about it's on the California coast, about halfway okay. between. San Francisco and LA. And uh, I was actually there for another camp. I did a camp there with Joe Cetriani uh, a year or two ago. And, you know, it's, it's, it's nice because it's, it's away from things in that, 
if if you want to concentrate on guitar like a guitar fanatic, you mm-hmm. can. Right. Um, but if you get overloaded and you just need to you know sit by the ocean for an hour, you can do that too. Cool. And the, the food's great. You know, just basically everything's taken care of for you. You know, you're, there's there's uh, you know a big uh, it's like a, com- a guitar commune. So you know when it's lunchtime, everybody goes. I'm there. We all eat together. And uh, it, it was actually it was funny to me when I've got. Uh, reviews of, of the earlier ones, you know, the the organizer of the camp has everybody write down what they what they thought, what they experienced. Sure. And a lot of people said, "Man, I just loved having breakfast with Paul." <laughs> right, <laughs> and, cool. and and that's kind of surprised me. You know, I, yeah. I'm you know I, I did all the put all the work, you know, trying to organize all the musical things, and you know I show up to breakfast and I'm just me. You know, I'm not yeah. prepare anything. You know, I'm not performing. Right. Um, but uh, you know, people seem to really like that. So yeah, cool. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that the breakfast is, is an enjoyable thing too. And you know, <laughs> no denying that the power of bacon. Yeah, there you go. And some great guests are going to be at this one. Um, some high profile guys. You got Kiko, who's now with Megadeth. And yeah. how, where do you know him from? Have you known him a while? I have known Kiko a while. I, I, I mean, a lot of. I just. It's funny. You, you run into people on the road. So I've had dinner with Kiko in Japan. Wow. And I don't, you know, he was there with Angra or something, right. and I was there with, with Mr. Big, or who knows, like, you know, with the situation, but super nice guy. And, you know, I've heard some of his solo stuff, and he, he's one of those guys that uh, has a real diverse skill set um, in that, you know, of course he's known as a metal guitar player, but he can do, like, acoustic Brazilian jazz and all this stuff. Right. So, uh, really a, a, a deep knowledge and, and love of music with, with, with him. Excellent. And uh, you know, I'm glad he's in a huge band now. That's that's you know, we'll yeah. get some great road stories from him as well. Yeah, absolutely, and he deserves that. Um, what about Bumblefoot? How long have you known him for? I have I don't know Bumblefoot that well, but I, I'm excited to get the Guns and Roses stories. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, I know that you know his his playing goes far beyond that as well. You know, he's he's a, you know amazing instrumentalist and really you know creative player. Yes. So uh, I'm excited to see to jam with him because you know, it really. You know, it's just, although the breakfasts are fun, you know, right. I, I love jamming with people. That's, yeah. that's one of the best things about this for, for me is just selfishly is I get to jam with all these guys. And uh, it's it's so much fun to, to just communicate on that with that language. Right. And, you know, one thing about Bumblefoot that always strikes me is uh, if you have a PA there, you should turn it on because he has such a beautiful singing voice, too. Oh, which, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's- yeah, so he can really just knock it out of the park, not only with the guitar, but with his voice. And, of course, Bruce Bouillet will be there, a longtime uh, acquaintance of yours going way back to the Racer X days. Is he somebody you've been in contact with and remained friends with since those Racer X days? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Bruce, um, he, he actually engineered and co-produced my first solo album back in the 90s. Wow. And uh, he, he produced some of the Racer X stuff and... Uh, we went on tour with me when I did G three uh, in in uh, about ten years ago, so we worked together a lot. And he's he's a great friend and one of my favorite people to jam with. Cool, yeah. Um, and I wanna I wanna talk to you a little bit about uh, Racer X, but but first I want to plug the website. It's greatguitarescapes.com. People can go there to check out uh, the packages and stuff that exist for the for the camp, um, and we'll have that link through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. But first off, what's the current status of Mr. Big? You guys put out a, a new album back in 2014. Is the band currently in hiatus or on pause? What's going on with Mr. Big? Uh, we're on pause, but I think we're going to deposit 
<laughs> sort of towards the end of the year, we've got some shows oh, cool. coming coming up. Um, one I think is like a kickoff show for a, a, some kind of rock cruise. You know, I'm not, I, don't, I I got to learn the name of it. It's right. anything that's more than three months away. I don't know the details. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, I know we're doing a show. You know, later in the year for that, and cool. uh, and some other shows. I think on the West Coast. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be any you know that extensive, but I know we got some stuff planned. Oh, good. Good, cool. And, you know, as, as a kid, one of the, the records that, that, you know, there were back in the 80s, there was a lot of records, actually, that, that really hit me as, as something new and exciting. Um, and one of those records was that second Racer X record, Second Heat, which just, I remember putting that on and thinking, wow, this is really something special. And I wanted to just go back and have you revisit that record. Um, where does that, when you look back on your entire catalog, is that a record that you recognize as being something important to your career, maybe more so than other records, or maybe not? I remember when we were doing it, really feeling like this is going to be amazing you know yeah. this is going to blow people's mind and it and, did yeah. yeah and uh i i haven't listened to it in a long time but when when i do i think the thing that i one of the things i like about it is actually um from a from, i mean i've always got the songwriter part of me that likes chords and, and yeah. Beatles songs and that kind of stuff and there's some actually really cool chord changes that i i still don't even understand they were very i wrote them very intuitively you know, it wasn't it wasn't like the the music theory brain. You know, mapping things out with math. It was right. very much like stuff I would stumble on on, on, a, on a piano, which I didn't know how to play. Yeah, and and just sort of find things intuitively. And like the, the bridge of Sunlit Nights is something I always listen to that and go, How did I? I still don't understand what that is, but it's yeah. It's, and I love the way it sounds. And Motorman, which is you know heavy metal double bass thing, but has some really cool chord changes in it. Yeah, and uh, that was the thing that for me always separated Racer X from the category that we were put into at the time, which was speed metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, the other I don't even know what the other speed metal bands are because I never didn't listen to them. And I was still listening to Cheap Trick and, and the Beatles. Um, but a, a lot of the harmonic direction that the bands were going which was very like you know e f e b flat sort of jarring uh you know root fifth chords it was you know and uh it was much more percussive than it was harmonically sophisticated yeah and uh you know i was doing stuff with thirds (laughs) still not really sophisticated but at least it was trying you know I, i still had had you know growing up a beatles fan that was always in that ingredient was always in there a little bit and, and sort of the classical element was. I was listening to a lot of classical music at the time. So the song Scarified, yeah. you know, half of that is straight from a Johann Sebastian, or I'm sorry, uh, Johann Christian Bach harpsichord yeah. concerto. Okay. Uh, Others, you know, all the diminished harmonic minor stuff, sort of, you know, that was Ingve was around. He was classical yeah. too. So that, that element was there. Yeah, it was a great record. One song of, of on the record I wanted to ask you about was. Uh, uh, Heart, of, Heart of a Lion, which was a, a song, I guess an unreleased Judas Priest song at that yeah. at that time, right? How did you guys end up in possession of that song? Well, uh, Jeff Martin, the Racer singer, uh, was from Phoenix. And a, a couple of the Judas Priest guys lived in Phoenix as well. And because Jeff was in a really successful local metal band, you know, the priest guys would come down to the metal club and, and see them and they became friends. And, and so, um, you know, Jeff got the demo that way and, uh, brought it in and it was, it was real, you know, the demo was, was really bare, bare bones, but we could tell that, 
you know, I mean, Rob was singing on it, so it sounded great. Right. And, uh, you know, and we just, you know, put some production on it, you know, made, arpeggiated the chords and, and, uh, you know, absolutely a great riff. And, uh, I think, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was Rob did it later on a solo record or Priest did it later, but eventually, you know, it came out in some other form. For, for, for I think, them. I think both, I think Rob, uh, like in, in, I think it was probably like 2000, put it out on one of his solo records. And then, yeah. then at some point there was a, a priest version that, that surfaced after that. But yeah, long after you guys did it. Um, and of course you guys covered a David Bowie song off on that record, Moon Age Daydream, just such a great song. We lost Bowie earlier this year, obviously. Were you, how hardcore of a Bowie fan were you? Well, when uh, when I was real young, like five years old, my, uh, my uncle, uh, who was sort of my hero, uh, bought The Man Who Sold the World. And I actually, I never, I didn't hear the music. I just saw him buy it. And I saw the cover and I thought, wow, what a weird looking girl on, on that. Right. <laughs> and, and then uh, my, my uncle said, no, that's not a girl, that's David Bowie. And, and, and I, again, I never heard the music, but eventually I saved up, you know, the $6.00. And I, th- I thought if my uncle bought it, it's got to be good. So I bought the record, and that's a really cool record by Bowie because it's 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 really guitar heavy. You know, Mick Ronson. You know, th- there's a song in there called uh, "She Shook Me Cold," right? Which is um, it's like a Led Zeppelin song. I mean, it, it's it's you know, it's just it's like three piece. It's got fuzz bass, and it's a, it's got this long jam in the middle with all these guitar solos, and they're um, you know, it's almost like a like a proto metal record you know it sounds like sabbath and um so uh and, and uh, you know it's got songs like running gun blues which have these real dark lyrics and uh so that was what got me into bowie was that record and then of course later you know just out of curiosity you know there was so much hype about the ziggy stardust record so i, I bought that one and and that was a really surprising record to me because it was not metal at all i mean it had you know suffragette city which is pretty has pretty high energy but uh, it took me a while to get into stuff like Five Years and, you know, So Love, a Boy and Girl are Talking. But I ended up just loving the whole whole record. But, you know, it wasn't like an instant, because I was so into the heavier, high energy, energy stuff, it, it took me a while to get into it. But I, I finally did. And, and just, you know, now when I hear, uh, what's that song? The uh, Lady Stardust. I was thinking, that sounds like a George Lynch flick. Yeah. You know, it could be a Dawkins song. Yeah, it's uh, and of course his vocals were just so cool, and 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 you know he was a wild man. Yeah, absolutely, definitely a, a big loss for the rock world. Um, Paul, it's been great chatting with you, and I wish you all the success with the new solo record again coming out in late March. I can destroy. We'll have links up in today's show notes where you can pre-order it, and uh, excited to hear that Mr. Big will be uh, active again at some point in the near future. So yeah. good, good stuff. What about Racer X? It's pretty, you haven't done anything with, with that brand or, or band in a while, it's right? It's been a while. I, I mean, I, I miss it sometimes. It's such a good band and they're such good friends of mine. Yeah. Just that everybody's busy, you know, and, and including, I mean, I won't blame it on them. I've been busy too, but, um, you know, Scott plays with Judas Priest. Sure. John Juan is with Mars Volta. Volta. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't. I'm not sure what Jeff. But Jeff's been doing something with like an Australian guitar player or something lately. Okay. But um, and of course, you know, Bruce is always doing something. So right. It's a just a matter of logistics, and I just had a you know I had a baby boy recently, so that's right. been a whole other thing. I've got an online school where I'm you know coming up on four thousand videos that I've done for that. So. Wow. 
Yeah. It's nonstop. Gotcha. Cool. Thanks so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
What you just heard was the title track off of Paul's new record, I Can Destroy, which comes out May 27th. So go pre-order it now. I know we got a little a little time to go yet before it's out, but go pre-order it and support what Paul does. And check out our show notes. We'll have links up to where you can pre-order that on Amazon. And also we'll have some links over to his, uh, his great Guitar Escape 3.0 camp, which happens this summer, July 25th to July 29th. And I wanted to say something about that interview. You hear how cool that was when we were talking about David Bowie. He picks up his guitar and he starts playing the riff um, that that we're talking, you know, uh, what was that, Starman or something? Yeah, I mean, he starts playing the Bowie riff and saying that almost sounds George Lynch-esque, of course, uh, he's playing that riff. I don't know if Bowie wrote that riff or or uh, or Mick Ronson. Not sure, but um, yeah. When I interviewed Paul, I had a video camera on. I wish I would have recorded the video too, because it was really cool just to see him like grab this guitar that was just already plugged in with the perfect <laughs> guitar tone and just start playing. I thought that was awesome. So good stuff. And a big thanks to Paul Gilbert for joining us here on Talking Metal. Support what we do by using our Amazon links. The way it works is you go to TalkingMetal.com and just click on the Amazon emblem or the links. I ha- They're all over the place when you get there. And, and it'll, it'll carry you right over to Amazon. And you just go about making your purchases as you normally would. Uh, there's no markup. There's no additional... Um, cost or anything like that. It's just an additional step. You go to Talking Metal and link over to Amazon and we get a kickback on uh, on your purchases. It's not a big kickback, kick but you guys really have been awesome because you use the Amazon link and I notice it and I appreciate it. I And if you don't use the Amazon link, I know you, there's plenty of people out there who shop on Amazon. Do it. it. Just just use our Amazon link and show some support for what we do here. Uh, you don't, you know, it's not like a PayPal donation where you have to give money uh, out of your PayPal account to me, uh, or you give money. You don't. No one has to do anything. But you know, it, it's just so easy. So please use those Amazon links and uh, support what we do here. You can also buy a T-shirt, and if you'd prefer, just send me five bucks, ten bucks, fifty bucks. Uh, you can do that by using the, the PayPal donation that goes right into my account. But uh, yeah, so anything you can do to help support and help continue the fun that we all have with this show is greatly appreciated. All right, guys, this is a little Paul Gilbert along with Glenn Hughes doing the Alice Cooper classic, Only Women Bleed. Take care. We will chat soon, I'm sure. Big thanks to Paul Gilbert. Smoke some drinks and don't come home at all
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.